You're listening to the Life Church Livonia podcast, a show where you can hear the teachings from our weekend gatherings. You can catch the full service on our Facebook or YouTube and head over to our website if you'd like to give. Here we're real people following a real God and experiencing real life. Welcome to Life Church Livonia. Good morning, Life Church Livonia. Thank you so much for tuning in today. My name's Kate. I'm one of the pastors on staff, and we are so excited to continue moving forward with our Like a Good Neighbor series, where we're talking about whether or not or in what way did God mean what he said when he said that we should love him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and that we should love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And Alex did an awesome job last week. I encourage you to go and listen to his sermon where he talked about who is our neighbor and the story of the Good Samaritan. It was really awesome. And it helped me really get to a point with my sermon where I was like, hey, I have a great story about this. So for confidentiality purposes, I have changed the name of the person in the story that I am about to share to Sally. So Sally is somebody who I used to go to church with. And Sally was a part of our church irregularly, regularly. She had some really unhealthy coping strategies. She had this super toxic relationship in her life. And so over the course of two or three years, I had been with her in this process that she was in and out of the church, back and forth and wanting to follow God and then doing life her own way. And one day she came to me and she said, Kate, I am all done. I cannot do this anymore. I am overwhelmed. I am really struggling. And I was like, this is it. This is the time. I have overcome addiction uh, through the power and grace of Jesus, and I'm going to be able to help Sally do it as well. And so I helped her type up messages to this toxic relationship person, to her boyfriend who she was living with, and helped her write them out and send them. I encouraged her to be brave and to leave that relationship. I encouraged her in, in how to move out. I really helped her make some significant changes. And I was so proud of myself in helping Sally to overcome some of these addictions and unhealthy coping strategies and to remove herself from this toxic relationship. And some of you who are watching are like, yes, way to go. That is awesome. Way to glorify God. And I just want to let you know, you are wrong. <laughs> I was wrong. We are both wrong. The way that I was helping Sally was not actually helpful. It was a little bit of an over-functioning mentality. I had my way of helping and guiding and supporting Sally. God though, God has a totally different way of doing it. Not that those specific behaviors were wrong that I was incorporating into supporting Sally, but the way that I was going about doing it was out of order. God is the greatest redeemer he is the greatest problem solver. He is the ultimate healer. Prayer matters way more than problem solving. And I think that in this story, um, there are, well, in our world, really, there are two specific groups of people. Now, okay, let me rephrase that. I think that there are lots and lots of different groups of people. But the two different groups of people that I want to emphasize in this sermon specifically um, are the ones that I'm going to describe right now. So some of you are like me and we get this wrong the way that we help and support because we overfunction. And so the overfunctioner, we like to take responsibility for things that aren't ours to deal with. We like to create dependency on ourselves 
because it gives us some sort of uh, meaning and purpose and there's something attached to that for us. Others of us are underfunctioners. Perhaps we like to depend on other people to do things for us because uh, maybe it just feels easier. Some of us are like Sally in this because we're, we're more dependent on other people making things better or, or making decisions for us. We like to relinquish responsibility from the consequences of how things are gonna turn out. And the truth here is in this gray world that we live in, some of us carry a little bit of both of these. We overfunction in some capacities and we underfunction in others. And, and it's often very difficult to identify some of these behaviors because they're subconscious. They're, they're not something that we necessarily are aware of and, and cognizant of as we move forward in the world. Some of these are learned behaviors that, that we learned growing up, and that's where understanding some of our family of origin stuff is so important. And we talk about that in Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, uh, which is an amazing study to dive into, and we've done it a couple of times in many of our small groups. But as we learn and understand what's going on inside of ourselves, we can break habits. And we can allow Jesus to be Lord and then us to be his servants and to make sure that those things are in order. So if the way that I engaged with Sally was an improper response and the way that Sally engaged with me was an improper response, then what's the right response? How do we, how do we really be the kind of people who can engage with the deepest needs and the deepest struggles that our loved ones are going through and bring Jesus to those situations? How can we bring redemption to those areas of our lives and our loved ones' lives? I don't know about you guys. I don't know how many of you have ever showed up to somebody with grief and loss and been met with helpful suggestions. You've lost your job and somebody immediately starts offering new solutions. I don't know about you guys, but that, <laughs> that doesn't feel very loving. It doesn't feel very helpful. And so if those aren't helpful things, if those aren't ways that we love, how do we? How do we love our neighbors well? We want to do this. I don't think there are very many people in this world that are thinking, how can I be a hateful, vengeful, mean human being? I mean, there's probably some people, uh, but overall, Overall, we want to be able to love our neighbors well. The question that we're gonna be answering today is how? How? And I think that in the scripture that we're gonna talk about today, we have um, a beautiful example, a perfect example of what it looks like to love our neighbor well. How we actually bring redemption, care, and hope. And so we're going to dive right into Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And I just want to encourage you guys, if you have a Bible, open it up. Um, if you don't have a Bible, let us know. We would love to send you a Bible. If you're not coming and visiting with us in person, we really would love for you to join us, but understand if that's not available to you. But the scripture is going to be up on the screen as well. So follow along. In Mark, two, uh, in Mark chapter 2, starting at verse 1, I want to set the scene though before I jump in and the problem that I have is that there's 
the scripture uh, before and after are so relevant and important to what we talk about, uh, but we can't just read the entire Bible um, in a 40-minute Sunday morning experience. So just to set the scene, in Mark chapter 1, Jesus has been performing miracles and people are coming uh, to want to be healed and want uh, to be whole, and Jesus is offering that to people. He had just healed uh, a man and told him, don't tell anybody. And then this man went out and told people, and which I just would love more information about that, but because uh, he obviously knew that this guy was going to go tell people. Anyway, so he says, don't tell anybody. He tells people, and now people are flocking to him. And that is the scene that we are at in Mark 2, verse 1. When Jesus came back to Capernaum a few days later, It was heard that he was at home, and many were gathered together so that there was no longer space, not even near the door. And he was speaking the word to them. Here where it says uh, he was speaking the word to them, this just means that Jesus, uh, in the original language, it means that he was teaching doctrine. He was actually teaching them. um, uh, He was preaching to them. He was sharing parables. It's beautiful. Anyway, verse 3. And some people came, bringing to him a man who was paralyzed, carried by four men. And when they were unable to get to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And after digging an opening, they let down the pallet on which the paralyzed man was lying. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. But some of the scribes were sitting there and thinking it over in their hearts. Why does this man speak this way? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins except God alone? And immediately Jesus, aware in his spirit that they were thinking that within themselves, said to them, Why are you thinking about these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven? Or to say, get up, pick up your pallet and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralyzed man, I say to you, get up, pick up your pallet and go home. And I really, really, really wanted to dive into this uh, part of the text, but unfortunately, this is not the sermon. Uh, This this section of scripture is not the point of my sermon, and I just love that about scripture. There's so much there. Um, Anyway, there's a lot in this scripture, and we just don't have time to unpack it all. I'm focused today on prayer matters most. Problem solving is helpful and prayer matters most. So I'm going to pray about an opportunity to unpack the scripture another time. (laughs) Verse 12, it says, And he got up, the paralyzed man, he got up, immediately picked up the pallet, and went out in the sight of everyone, so that they were all amazed and were glorifying God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. We've never seen anything like this. You guys, Prayer is more important than problem solving. Bringing people to Jesus is the absolute most important thing that we can do. There's a time and a place for helping, but prayer matters most. So right now, I want to take a second and compare myself to these friends, okay? In my relationship with Sally, the first point I want to make is that I thought that I could make things better for Sally. I thought that because I had been there, I've overcome addiction, I've got all of these coping strategies, I have a beautiful relationship with the Lord, I have removed myself from toxic relationships, I can help Sally. 
In contrast, in contrast, the men who were carrying their paralyzed friend, they realized they could help their friend. But only Jesus could heal their friend. They knew what their role was. I was confused about what my role was. I was going to bring healing into Sally's life. And these friends, they knew that only Jesus could heal. And so the second point and the third point are similar, but slightly different. They didn't do it alone. These four men, they were four friends on mission to carry their friend to Jesus together. I was pretty independent in how I was supporting Sally. I made a lot of those decisions on my own. I prayed about it, obviously. I talked to God, but I was pretty independent. I am going to do this thing. And Sally is going to get healed and whole, and it's going to be a beautiful, miraculous story. But these friends, they didn't do it alone. Number three, they only grabbed their corner of the pallet. They took on the weight that they could carry, and they didn't try to carry the whole pallet themselves. I did. I thought that I was going to do this and I was going to help her with her mental, her emotional, her spiritual, her physical health. I mean, we wrote out these guidelines and I tell you right now, they're really good guidelines. But they weren't the point, okay? I took on way too much here. And these four friends, they grabbed their corner and they took their friend to Jesus. And in recognizing these comparisons, we can look at our own way of caring for people. Where are you trying to heal people? Where are, where are you trying to be the healer? Who are you inviting to help you love your neighbor? Who are you inviting into that? And where are you trying to do more than your fair share? Prayer is more important than problem solving, you guys. Problem solving is helpful. It's necessary. It's important. It is not the most important thing that we can do for people. Another thing that I observed in the text here is that Jesus heals this man twice. The first way that Jesus heals this man is spiritual. He says to him, And Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. He starts inside. And he says, You are forgiven, my beloved chosen son. He doesn't say beloved chosen son, but he says, Son, your sins are forgiven. He starts with a spiritual healing. And number two, he does a physical healing, right? He addresses the scribes' grumbling and judgment about critical condemnation, judgment that these men were putting on Jesus. He says in verse 10, But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, this is who I am, I promise you. Jesus is saying, I promise you, this is who I am. He said to the paralyzed man, I say to you, get up, pick up your pallet, and go home. Now, an observation that came to me was that whenever we see in someone something that they could be if they were healed, we're catching a vision for that person. We're seeing them for who God may have created them to be. Good and and healed and whole. That is good. It's a beautiful thing to see the beauty and potential and giftedness in people. But God's vision for that person It only comes to fruition for that person when it's done in God's way and in God's timing and in partnership with that person seeking after the will of God. With every person in our life, there are problems that we can see. 
and there are problems that God can see. We want to bring people to the Savior rather than be the Savior. We can try, and I know uh, many of us, we do uh, try to be that Savior. But we want to seek after the ultimate Savior rather than asking people to fill a role in our lives that is unrealistic or filling a role in someone else's life that is unrealistic. I mean, whether it's King Saul sacrificing too early and going out of turn or when it's King David wanting to build the temple in his lifetime instead of Solomon's, Joseph and telling his brother he's going to rule over them before it was his time. We might catch a vision that God has called or placed on someone's life We might catch it, but it is only through God's power that those things happen. The question isn't about if God wants that to happen. It's about knowing our role in it. In verse 12, it says, And he got up, this paralyzed man got up, immediately picked up the pallet, and went out in the sight of everyone, so that all were amazed and all were glorifying God, saying, We've never seen anything like this. I love that. He got up and everyone was amazed and they were glorifying God. That's the point, you guys. This is such a profound message to me. It is so helpful for me to recognize this isn't about me. This is about God getting the glory, not us. God gets the glory through our lives and through our loved ones' lives. Now, here it is. Okay, we cannot physically grab people and drag them to Jesus. I have tried. It is not helpful. (laughs) It doesn't work that way. But we can pray for people. When we come to God and we talk to him about the things that our loved ones are going through, we're grabbing a corner. And we're doing the best that we can to love and support them well. We need Jesus. We do. You need Jesus. I need Jesus. We need Jesus. And we need to bring people to Jesus. Because, as I have said already, prayer is more important than problem solving. I can help people. You, you can help people. We can help people. But only Jesus can heal people. And as I have said already, problem solving, it is not bad. It's not that it doesn't have a place or that we shouldn't do things to serve and love and support people. It's good. It's necessary. It's helpful. The problem isn't that I tried to help Sally. It's that I did it out of order. Instead of grabbing a corner, I was yelling at her to get up and walk. I've got a cane you can borrow. I've got a walker. Come on, girl. You got this. I'll hold your elbow. We can do it. It was way out of order. Instead of taking the time to pray with her and sit with her and allow the Holy Spirit to move in Sally's heart and life, I played the Holy Spirit in her life. And I was wrong. And I have learned so much about how to navigate that differently, how to love people in a way that is showing up to them loving them, challenging them, asking clarifying questions. And then I allow God to do the miracle. The focus of our lives should be to love, serve, 
care for one another. One of the greatest ways that we can do that is by praying for one another. So right now I've got some next steps and one, it's going to be about praying together and two, it's going to be about our Frank list. So right now, you guys, I just want to challenge you. I want to invite you. If you are watching this sermon right now, all by yourself at home, I want to ask you to be brave right now. I want to ask you to comment in the comment section how we can love you well. How can we be praying for you today? Comment in the comment section during this three minutes. There's going to be a timer that comes up. I want you to comment below and let us know how we can be praying for you. If you are watching this sermon with someone, I want you to take the next three minutes to show up to that person about how they can pray for you. And then I want to challenge you guys to actually pray today.
Thank you guys so much for being brave today. Thank you so much for showing up to the person who you're sitting and watching this sermon with. Thank you for commenting in the comment section about how we can be praying for you and loving you. If you are new to our community, I just want to let you know that it is uncomfortable sometimes to show up. But I am so grateful that you've done that today, that you have showed up whether to the person who you're watching the sermon with by filling out a digital connection card and letting us pray for you privately. If you don't know who Jesus is, if you've never been to him, if nobody's ever brought your pallet to the feet of Jesus and found healing, I want to let you know that Jesus Christ was a real man who died on a cross and took on our sins, our shortcomings, our sinful nature. He took that on himself and he died and he was buried. And after three days, he rose again. He overcame sin and death on our behalf so that we could live life to the full on this side of heaven and that we would have eternity with him. And I want to invite you to receive that sacrifice right now. Dear Jesus, I thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you so much that you have taken on my sin and my death and that you have made me new. And I pray for those of us who don't know you, Lord, that they would just repeat after me, Lord, I am a sinner and I need you. You are my savior. I accept and receive your sacrifice. I repent from my old way of living. I turn away from my old way of living. And I ask you to make me new today. Thank you, Lord, for the redemption that I find in you. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you guys so much. If you have made that decision to follow Christ today, please let us know about that. Don't do this journey by yourself. Fill out the connection card. Let us know that you've made this decision today. And as we wrap up our service here right now, I want to let you guys know that we talk about the Frank list and we joke Frank list, Frank list. The point, I mean, Frank is correct, by the way. But the Frank list, it's about our friends, our relatives, our acquaintances, our neighbors and our colleagues, people who don't have Jesus, people who are struggling in our lives that we want to be mindful and intentional to pray for. So take some time right now after church service and write down the names of people who you are going to be intentionally praying for. And in, I want to let you know, we want to pray for those people too. Send us over their names. We can add them to our prayer chain and we can be praying for your loved ones. We will be praying over your Frank list. Send it over to us. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. Thank you for being with me and being with us as a church as we continue to grow and learn and love the Lord together. Hopefully we'll see you next weekend.